done with the book of Ephesians. And so right now I haven't got the orders from headquarters, which book we'll be going through next. And so until then, I just had to seek the Lord and see what He would have us do tonight. And after I preached the sermon this morning, are you denying the power of God? And after I finished that sermon of being turned from a saint into a soldier, on October 30th, that was a Sunday, the year was 2016, I preached a sermon. You remember it? October 30th. 2016. You remember? Uh, just seven years ago. Don't remember. But when I left here, thinking about being a soldier, I thought about that sermon, and so I went home. And My wife will tell you, I have got a stack of notebooks, and I never have them in any kind of order, and she tries to get them in some kind of order, and I'll scatter them all over that room looking for something. You know, somebody ought to put what book they are, what the sermon titles are, but they didn't. Some goofball just wrote the notes down, and if you want to know what, the only thing I can tell my wife when I'm looking for them, every once in a while I'll remember the color. I say, can you go in there and look in that purple notebook? And I think it's about halfway through it. There's a sermon entitled this. Can you go look for that? She'll call me back and said, there's 92 purple notebooks. Boy, I wish I'd have titled every one in the front of them notebooks what the sermons was. It'd make this a lot easier. But on October 30th, 2016... I said, if a farmer never sows, he'll never reap. If he never engages, there'll never be any food. Therefore, we'd starve to death. If an athlete never disciplines his body, never learns the rule, they'll never have no gain, there'll never be no victory. If a soldier doesn't go through basic training... He never engages in the battle. He continues to be entangled with the affairs of this life. There'll never be triumph. And I simply said, we have got to become doers of the word and not hearers only. And then I said, in America... If I understand correctly, it's the president who declares war. And after he declares war, then it has to be approved or voted by on by Congress. And I simply said on October 30th, 2016, as your pastor, I think it's time to declare war. I think it's time we engage. And I didn't say it then, but I went to my wife during the praise time after my prayer time, and I said, there's some kind of saying, and I said, it goes something like this. If not now, then when? If not us, then who? If not right here, 
Then where? Now, I didn't say that on October 30, 2016, that I recollect. But after I preached on being a soldier of the cross, and we think about a farmer that never sows, he's never going to reap, he never engages, there's going to be no food. If we think about the athlete, if he never trains and he never learns the rules and he never engages, he's going to have no game. There's going to be no victory. Folks, we better get the mindset. If not us, who? If not now, when? If not here, where? And maybe we did engage in that warfare for a time being, but here it is seven years later, And are we still taking this battle seriously? The sermon I preached that day was TIP3. Does that help any of you? I declared the war and it was Operation TIP3. I'm just going to give you the outline of it, some food for thought, something to chew on, and I hope that we engage. I hope we take it seriously. T-I-P-3, the T stood for tell. Do you know that our telling is commanded? Why do we call Him Lord and do not do What He's commanded us to do. I mean, He gives us the great commission, and that is simply to go therefore and tell people, share with them the gospel. That's what that means. We are commanded in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to be His witnesses. So over and over, we are told to go. Maybe we need to put a little Old Testament to it. In Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 11, God told Ezekiel to go, get to the captives, to the children of your people, speak to them, tell them, thus says the Lord. Now whether they hear or whether they refuse, that's not up to you. You're to go tell. And as long as you tell then their blood, I won't require at your hands. But if you don't go tell, I'll require their blood at your hands. Think about that. Do you want somebody's blood on your hands? I don't think we do. So us going and telling is commanded. And then I I begin to think about 2 Kings chapter 7. and, And I think about how the children of Israel was in bondage. Remember, it was a great famine. And if you doubt how bad the famine was, go read about it in 2 Kings chapter 7 and see what they was eating. I talked to old Billy Barnes yesterday. He said, you know, somebody asked me how I'm doing. He said, I'm doing good. He said, we ain't never had it no better. He said, let me tell you about my dad. That'd be Donna's grandpa. About him walking two hours in the dark to get to a farm field at daylight. And then they'd quit farming with with mules at dark. And then you'd ride a mule home two hours in the dark. And he made all of 50 cents a day. Was glad to get it. See, sometimes we think we've got it bad when we really don't have it bad at all. This famine 
they was eating dove crap. You doing a little better now? And they was eating donkey heads. They even boiled a child. And when God finally intervened, there was nobody to blame but themselves because they turned against God. And when God finally intervened, you know what He chose? You know who He chose to start that deal? Four lepers. The prophet said, This famine's going to end. And the one old boy said, It ain't going to end. He said, By this time tomorrow, you're going to be amazed at what happens. And the vessels he chose to do that, that tells me that we are capable of being used by God. He took four lepers. And you know what they decided? They decided, you know what? We're going to die. We're either going to die right out here of starvation, or we can go down there where all that food is in the camp, and we can either eat and live, or they're going to kill us. But the bottom line is, it's time to get serious. And so they went down into that camp. Do you remember the story? And much to their surprise, God had done went ahead of them, and that whole bunch of Syrians had left. Can you imagine being hungry for as long as they've been hungry? And so these four lepers, they get in there, and I mean, they're raking it in. I mean, after eating dug crap, donkey heads, and bullying a kid, and I'm sure a big old T-bone tastes pretty good. And they're raking it in. And in the midst of that, here's what they've done. And I want you to think about this. In the midst of that, one of them looked up and said to the other, what we're doing's not good. Now, wait a minute. We've been starving to death. We're eating. What do you mean? One of them must have said to the other, what do you mean what we're doing? This is good. No, what we're doing's not good. We're down here eating this. And our people... Our family, they're still up there starving. Today is a day of good news. We got to go and tell. Folks, that is a picture of us. When we get to feast on the Lord Jesus, and if we just sit there and feast on of ourselves, then let it dawn on you tonight. If you're just feasting on it for yourself and you're not going telling, what you're doing is not good. Because we live in a day and time of good news. And the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are commanded to go and tell. Okay? But let me tell you, not only is us telling commanded, but it's also crowned. Have you ever thought about that? It says, Paul told the church at Thessalonica, listen to this, chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Question. He said, what is it? He said, is it not even you? (coughs) You people. You're our hope, you're our joy, our crown. What is it? Is it not even you? Listen. In the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming, for you are our only glory and joy. Did you just pick up what Paul was telling him? I was commanded to go and tell. And not only is it commanded, one day it's going to be crowned. He's looking at a church 
that he planted. He's looking at a people that he led to the Lord. Are you with me? He was the tool in God's hand. And he's looking at him and he said, you know what my hope and my glory and my rejoicing is? Is it not you when I get to heaven? In other words, every soul you win, when you get to heaven, you know what it is? It's a crown for you. I didn't get to listen to it, but I was told Trenton preached a pretty good message on a Wednesday night, living in the glory days. Now, living in the glory days, if you was Trenton, when I, I don't know how he decorated the bedroom in his new home that it's his own, but living in his glory days, when you walked in his room, there was all kinds of medals, there was all kinds of trophies, and I'm talking not just a few, a bunch of them. You with me? And I don't know what he said in that sermon, but his room was full of those basketball, some football, some track, but his room was full of those medals, full of trophies. They was his crowns for his achievement on the court, on the track, on the field. Are you with me? And the Bible says we compete for those down here, but they're perishable. And I'm sure Trenton let you folks that was here on a Sunday or Wednesday night know those are going to burn and fire. You don't get to take them with you. But if you will engage in the spiritual warfare and you'll do what you're commanded to do and that is tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what you'll have? Every soul you win is just like a medal on the wall. And when you get to heaven, he says, what's our hope? What's our joy? What's our rejoicing? Is it not you people that we want to Christ? In the day that Jesus comes again. Folks, why don't you tell? And when you tell, you're going to have some crowns and glory. Folks, let me tell you, whatever you win down here, living in your glory days here, you don't get to take them. But every soul you win by telling them about Jesus, His death, His burial and resurrection, that's a crown for you in glory. That's the tale. It's commanded it's crown. But then the I, T-I, the I was for invite. We need to learn to invite people to church, don't we? We need to invite people to meet Jesus. And I can't think of a better spot in Scripture than to show you that from John chapter 4. You remember when Jesus met that woman at the well? You remember they had that big discussion and, 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 and he's telling her, you drink of that water right there, you're going to thirst again, but you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And they get in a discussion about Abraham. She gets in a discussion about where you're supposed to worship. Your people say we worship here. Our people say we worship here. And what he say, there's a time coming. You worship in spirit and truth. And he asked her about her husband. 
He gave her. He said, you answered right. And he told her everything about her life. Don't you think you can keep a secret from God? She may have thought she had that hid from a lot of people. But she didn't have it hid from Jesus. And man, she got so excited because she knew that was Jesus. She knew that she could be forgiven. She got so excited, she left her jar. And she headed back into town. And what did she do when she got to town? She said, come here. She was inviting. Come and see a man that told me all that I've ever did. Come on. She was inviting them, wasn't she? Go read John chapter 4. And when they all got out there, you'll find a verse that reads something like this. And many believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Why do we complicate things like we do? We just need to invite them, come and see the Jesus, come and worship the Jesus that saved me, forgive me, and set me free. Tell, that's the T. Invite, that's the I. And then look here. Do you remember the P? That's pray. See, James tells us the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And the Bible tells us the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Folks, we have prayer meetings on Wednesdays at Telequal. We have prayer meetings on Sunday nights at Prior. And I hope you realize I saw some praise reports on there. I love that Mike gave an opportunity to give some praise reports on a Wednesday. I was gone at Telequal, and the pastor that was on the prayer uh, chain that had Listeria, and, and they was fixing to pull the plug on him. And if you don't know about that story, uh, the wife walked in to say her goodbyes, and she noticed some movement, knowing that he could hear her. And so they decided to put it off, and now Mike brought him to our prayer requests, to our services before we even started the prayer request. And look here, he's in a rehab in Atlanta. That's a guy that's fixing to get the plug pulled. But that's answers to prayers. He told about his nephew, and he just, he just said, Man, I, we have these prayer meetings, but so many times we get the prayer request, and we never hear the results of the prayer. And listen, when we pray for people and we get a praise report, we should share that. And I wasn't there. I was watching it from a, from a motel room in Hayes, Kansas, but I, I couldn't hardly hear, but some people begin to share some of their prayer requests that was answered right there in that service. But, folks, there's power in prayer, and we see prayers answered, and all of our prayers is heard. But the other day, when people know that you're engaged, ain't this all about being a soldier, being engaged 
in the warfare. And when people know you're engaged in warfare, I pulled in at Danos. That's a convenience store just down from, from NSU. And I pulled in there, and I kept noticing a black lady about two pumps over kept looking at me, and I'd look at her, and I kind of nodded my head at her. And pretty soon we ended up in the convenience store, and it still didn't dawn on me until we walked out. She turned around just about two foot from me, and she said, I need prayer. I need prayer for my boy. And when she was that close to me, I recognized who she was. Trenton, she was the black lady that wore the mask that stood just like this before she rolled that bowling ball. I couldn't tell your name. But when Trenton and Trey and Eli and I joined the bowling league, we didn't join it to bowl. We was engaged in warfare down there. We were simply in there to tell, invite, and how many times did we even pray with people? That's why we was called the Holy Rollers. That was the name of our team. But I hadn't bowled in two years. But when I walked out of that convenience store, and when she turned around, she said, my baby boy needs prayer. I recognized who she was at that point. And if you passed by that day and saw this old preacher hugged up to a black woman, I wasn't being unfaithful to my wife. I was being faithful to my God. And when we got done praying, she wiped the tears and she said, thank you. I don't know if I'll ever run on to her again. But I thank God she knew that I was engaged. And she knows where she can come for prayer. So that's the T, tail. That's the I, invite. That's the P, and that's pray. What in the world's the three mean? We'll just take that back to the T. Why don't you tell at least three people your story this week? That three just goes back to the I. Why don't you invite at least three people to church this week? That three goes back to the P. Why don't you pray not for? Why don't you pray with at least three people this week? Please look up here and listen to me. What would happen? If every one in this church engaged in TIP3, what would happen if everybody that attended this church would tell three people about Jesus, would invite three people to church, and would pray with, not for, three people? I wonder how the war, the battle, would go I think it would turn significantly in the favor of God's kingdom being grown right here in this community I appreciate old Jeff Hogan if you watch Wednesday night when we via live stream I told Glenn I said man it was so much easier for these cameras and stuff we just had church now you can 
live streaming in so when the snow comes we just do that you know used to the old fogies remember it. we just there wasn't no use to call we're just having church and and because of technology it it is so easy to stay in a warm house off slick roads and get it to people's phones but boy i was fighting it johnny i didn't know where to sit in my house to look so professional did I chose well? He said, I chose well. I sat in front of the fireplace. Just short, I had a heat stroke. But then my family will chuckle. I changed shirts about four times. I don't ever do that when I'm coming to church, but if I'm going to be on the camera, now what looks good on camera? But I first put on a sweater, Miss Terry, but when I chose to sit in front of the fireplace, that's why I changed. I got up immediately and said, the sweater's not going to work. And if you watched, I had a short sleeve shirt on. And you probably didn't get dialed in quick enough because I was just killing time showing what my shirt said. See, last Sunday I walked in to preach at Telequal, and as I laid my Bible down, I spotted a shirt there with a sticky note on it. And all it said, and I didn't have no idea who put it there, it said, got you a fishing shirt. That's all it said. So I take the shirt and sticky note, and I throw it in the vehicle. Re- didn't even really know what it meant. I didn't look at what it said. It just a fishing shirt. And I thought, somebody don't know me very well because I don't like to fish. But they got me a fishing shirt. It didn't even dawn on me. But after I preached and I got home, I carried that shirt in there and I opened it up. And my shirt said, right across here, one Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck. And then it's got a picture of a Mack truck on it. It's got a picture of a cowboy driving it. And right below the bumper of that Mack truck, it says, Ask me. I looked at what it said. I said, I don't know who got me this. My wife said, Jeff Hogan. She knew who got it for me. I said, now that's a fishing shirt. And I like to fish. So when summer rolls around, I'm still going to be engaged in TIP3, and I've got a shirt that's going to make it easy for me because I'll just stand around and kind of flex to people till they read it. And then all of a sudden, they're going to have to ask me, one Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, and you know what that's going to let me do? It's going to let me tell. It's going to let me invite. And just want to give me an opportunity to pray, not for, but with them. If you need to get you a fishing shirt, get you a fishing shirt. But somehow, some way, what you need to chew on is, if the farmer don't sow, he's not going to reap. If we don't engage, we're not going to win. It's time we as soldiers of the cross... Go to battle for mankind's souls. Let's all stand. Father, we love you. We praise you. Help us to take seriously the telling, the inviting, the praying, not necessarily for, but with people. Help us to just set that number at three this week as we go out. 
Help us to do what your word tells us to do, and that is to engage in the battle. Father, if not us, who? If not now, when? And if not here, then where? Father, move in the hearts of us, your people, tonight. The altars have been opened, but surely now that we realize we're engaged in Operation TIP3 again, if there's a soul that needs to be saved, I pray they'd come. But if there's those that want to commit to tell, invite, and pray, not for, but with people, maybe they'd just use these altars for a place to ask you for your courage and your blessing upon this operation. Father, move in the hearts of us, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen.